Our text this morning as we hear from the living God in His Word is Galatians 4, looking today at verses 8 to 11. Last week, we considered verses 1 to 7, and for those of you who are with us for the first time, we've just been in Galatians forever, and we're continuing on with great joy. (laughs) Verses 8 to 11 of chapter 4, but as I've done to you more than once in this study of Galatians, we're not starting there. In fact, I want you to turn back to Joshua. Joshua chapter 23, and it's the sixth book of the Bible, and those who make it there first to Joshua 23, would you call out a page number for those with the small print? Roger, you have it. 113 in the small print version, and anyone with a large print there? 220. 220. I meant to have those jotted down, and I forgot. 113 and 220. Joshua 23. I'll give you a minute. We'll be back to Galatians soon. Can't read the New Testament without the Old Testament underneath it. Joshua chapter 23. Joshua knows he's about to die. The Lord has led the people of Israel partly into the land. Joshua 23, verse 9. Verse 9 of Joshua 23. For the Lord has driven out before you great and strong nations, Joshua says. Verse 10. One man of you puts a flight to a thousand, since it is the Lord your God who fights for you just as he promised you. But then there comes a warning. Verse 11, be very careful, therefore, to love the Lord your God. For if you turn back and cling to the remnant of these nations remaining among you and make marriages with them so that you associate with them and they with you, know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations before you. But they shall be a snare and trap for you, a whip on your sides and thorns in your eyes until you perish from off this good ground that the Lord your God has given you. Verse 15, But just as all the good things that the Lord your God promised concerning you have been fulfilled for you, so the Lord will bring upon you all evil things, until he has destroyed you from off this good land that the Lord your God has given you, if you transgress the covenant of the Lord your God, which he commanded you, and go and serve other gods, and bow down to them. Then comes Joshua 24, And Joshua gathers the tribes of Israel in Joshua 24, and he summons the elders and the leaders. And verses 2 to 13 of Joshua 24, you read them later. It's wonderful. It recounts all that the Lord had done for them. Beginning with Abraham, not coincidentally, beginning with Abraham to Isaac and Jacob and Moses and Aaron. It's the Exodus, and it's the time in their wilderness 
even dealing with Balaam is mentioned in Joshua 24, crossing the Jordan into Jericho. And verse 13 ends, I gave you a land on which you had not labored and cities that you had not built and you dwell in them. And then verse 14. Now therefore, fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil, in your eyes, to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve. The end of the verse, but as for me and my house, Joshua says to them, we will serve the Lord. Now, notice something very basic that Joshua understands. What is it that Joshua knows? The people here have been reminded of all the Lord has done for them, Joshua knows that their hearts are not the Lord's. Joshua knows that their hearts are not the Lord's. Joshua knows as he looks at the gathered tribes of Israel that though the Lord has kept his promise to bring them into the land without hearts that are changed, it won't last. Fear the Lord. He says in verse 14, serve him in sincerity. Put away the gods your fathers served. Put them away. Why'd they kept them out in the first place? Verse 15, and if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord. If it is evil, why would Joshua raise the question? Unless he knew it was. It was evil in their eyes. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, or in other words, we'll be different. We'll be different than you are. Oh, now, the people answer in verse 16. Verse 16, far be it from us, they say, that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. But Joshua knows them. Look at verse 19. Can you imagine this? Look at verse 19. But Joshua said to the people, You are not able to serve the Lord. For he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions or your sins if you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods. Then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after having done you good. You who are now in the land, you who have experienced the deliverance of the Lord. Verse 21, and the people said to Joshua, No, no, but we will serve the Lord. And still Joshua knows them. Verse 22 then Joshua said to the people, You 
are witnesses against yourselves. Against yourselves that you have chosen the Lord to serve Him. And they said, we are witnesses. He said, watch this, then put away the foreign gods that are among you. And do what? What's the key thing here? If you're going to walk with the Lord in faithfulness as his people and be blessed instead of being cursed, what's the key thing that Joshua knows they have to do? And incline your heart to the Lord. And incline your heart to the Lord, the God of Israel. It's very basic what we learn from Joshua, isn't it? Your heart is inclined to the Lord. Then what happens? Then you love the Lord. You serve the Lord in sincerity and faithfulness and you stop serving the gods you worshipped before you knew the Lord. Right? And if your heart is not inclined to the Lord, then what happens? Well, you end up doing what the next generation of Israelites did, right? Joshua here thankfully ends with the people responding to what he'd said. They heard him. And they said, verse 24, The Lord our God we will serve, Joshua, and his voice we will obey. Now they get it. Now they see it. And this time, Joshua knew it was for real. And he made a covenant with the people that day. And that generation, verse 31 says, that generation served the Lord. See, Joshua knew them. He walked them through two or three times before he knew that they'd heard him. That generation served the Lord, he says. But it wouldn't last. If you turn over the page to Judges, if you know your Old Testament, you turn over the page or maybe two pages to Judges chapter 2, verse 10, the next book of the Bible, Judges 2, verse 10. And there arose another generation after them. And watch the language here. Another generation who did not know the Lord. who did not know the Lord. So that verse 11 of Judges 2, I'm coming to Galatians, so that verse 11 of Judges 2 says, and the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. And they abandoned the Lord. The God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt, It's very obvious, friends, but it's critical to see it clearly. Joshua knew the Lord. By God's grace and Joshua's persistence, Joshua's generation would largely know the Lord. But this next generation in Judges didn't know the Lord. And what would that mean? It would mean that they did what was evil. Why? 
because their hearts weren't inclined to the Lord. They didn't know the Lord. Now, we're in Galatians 4. If you want to turn back to Galatians 4, verse 8. And Paul's just finished. I mean, here we are in Galatians 4, verse 8, where Paul has just finished saying to the Galatians, picking up where we ended last week in verse 7 of chapter 4, this. The argument he's been making since chapter 3, verse 1. You, Galatians, are sons of God, children of God, full heirs of the God of Israel. He calls them sons. That was the legal terminology. We could say children, sons and daughters together here. You are what the people of God were always meant to be. Remember Hosea from last week? Out of Egypt I called my son, Hosea said, all of which is to say, Galatians, you know the Lord. That's what Paul says, isn't it? Verse 8, Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not gods. But now, now that faith has come, now that you are sons, now that God has sent His Spirit, the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, all of that from last week, remember? Now you are no longer slaves, Galatians. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not gods. Now, probably meaning in this context, idols, actual man-made deities, idol worship. They're not actually gods at all. Paul may even be implying with his language here that they were demonic forces. Many people think he means that. But you see the parallel with the people of Israel. But now, Paul says in verse 9, now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, now, in other words, that you are not enslaved to those that by nature are not gods, Joshua said to Israel, put away your foreign gods. Right? Incline your hearts. Or in other words, Know the Lord. Paul says to the Galatians, you do. You do know the Lord. You have come to know God ultimately because God has known you, Galatians. You're adopted sons. Remember from verses 5 and 6, you are sons and God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. Paul says you've come to know God because God has come to know you. You've received the spirit. You have the hearing of faith. You are sons of Abraham, sons of God. You are Christ. This is who you are. Galatians, it's where we ended last week. That's verse 9a. Right? 9a. But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God. And it's then in verse 9b. Paul drops a bomb. Verse 9b. Ready? 
And if that's who you are, Galatians, then Paul says, how? How can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world whose slaves you want to be once more? Now, wait a minute. Look at this. You have to see this point to get why Paul's so worked up in Galatians at all. Verse 9b is a bombshell because you see what Paul's just done? He just put the Galatians' slavery to idols from the time before they knew God, right? On the same level as taking on the stipulations of the Mosaic Law. Right? The Galatians are not planning to revert to paganism. There's no indication of that. The issue in Galatians isn't anywhere that I can see that they're abandoning their faith to return to the idols they used to worship. That's not what's going on in Galatians. What's the issue? Well, it's that there are some from Jerusalem who've come and are saying, you want the full blessing of God? You need to be circumcised. You need to follow the law. You need to follow the law's stipulations. That's how you come to receive the promises of God. Eternal life. That's the issue. And evidently, the Galatians are more or less buying it. Right? Because what's verse 10 say? You observe days and months and seasons and years, Paul says. By which I think Paul means as most scholars of this text do think Paul means, the Jewish calendar. I think this is Paul's language for the weekly, monthly, annual feasts that gave rhythm to the Jewish way of life. I mean, we're talking here especially about Sabbath-keeping regulations. Perhaps also certain offerings at the beginning of each new moon cycle, the months, the appointed feasts of Israel, the annual cycles, all of it as part of Torah obedience, right? Covenant keeping. Meeting the requirements of the government, according to the agitators. It's what the agitators from Jerusalem likely started on with the Galatians, and Paul says you're already doing it. You haven't adopted circumcision yet, but you're on your way. You observe days and months and seasons and years. And, well, so what? I mean, come on, Paul. What are you so worked up about, really? I mean, it's not... Come on, it's not like the Galatians are going back to worship Anatolian gods again, right? They're not reverting to their pagan deities. It's not like that, is it, Paul? Is it? Well, actually, yes, it is, Paul says. Yes, it is. Look carefully now. How can you, he asked them. There in verse 9, how can you turn back again 
to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world whose slaves you want to be once more. Turn back again. Slaves once more. I mean, look at the Galatians aren't Jews. Okay? They had never been under the law previously. So you see why this verse is a challenge? Paul is paralleling their contemplating a decision to succumb to circumcision with their former enslavement to idols. Brothers and sisters, I, can you imagine the reaction of the agitators to that? I mean, these from Jerusalem who have come, can, I mean, that's even hard for us, isn't it? That's hard for us. Some of you sense this. Maybe some of you even feel a little offended by Paul at this point. I mean, we're talking about the law of God. Aren't we? Can Paul really mean what he says? Yes, he can. You recognize the language. Elementary principles of the world. Paul used it. It's just one word in Greek. It's in verse 3 of Galatians 4 as well. Right? Just above our text. Throw your eyes up there. There in verse 3 of Galatians 4, where he was referring to Israel. Remember? We also, when we were children, were enslaved. Don't miss that. We were enslaved. We Israelites were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. We've talked about this for weeks. That was the experience of the majority of the people of Israel all through the Old Testament. Enslaved to the elementary principles of the world as they lived under the law. Why? Why enslavement? Because they didn't know the Lord. Because they didn't know the Lord. If you want to, you don't have to turn to this one. I won't give you page numbers, but Isaiah chapter 1. Isaiah chapter 1 follows the Psalms, basically. Song of Solomon comes in between, and then if you flip through the Old Testament, you'll hit Psalms. It takes a while. And then Isaiah is just after Psalms. Isaiah chapter 1, briefly. It's an amazing text to see a lot of what Paul's been saying. Isaiah 1 verse 2. Here's the beginning of the book. Just listen to this. Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. Listen to what he says. And hear Galatians 4. Children. Children have I reared and brought up, but they have rebelled against me. Verse 3. The ox knows its owner. And the donkey knows its master's crib. But Israel does not know. My people do not understand. There it is. Israel didn't know. Just like they didn't know in Judges 2. And Paul says, you Galatians, you do. You do know God. Israel didn't. Israel does not know. My people do not understand. Verse 4 of Isaiah 1. Ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity. 
offspring of evildoers, children who deal corruptly, they have forsaken the Lord. Do you hear that language? They have forsaken the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel. They are utterly estranged. Go to verse 13 of Isaiah 1 if you're there. Otherwise, just listen. What does the Lord say to them? Bring no more vain offerings. Incense is an abomination to me. And then watch this. Here comes Paul's days and months and seasons and years. You ready? New moon and Sabbath and the calling of convocations. I cannot endure iniquity and solemn assembly. Your new moons and your appointed feasts, my soul hates, the Lord says. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. What's the problem? What's not right? The problem is they're doing the works of the law, but they're under sin. Their hearts aren't right. Hence, what has to happen in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18? What has to happen? Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. The people remained under sin. The new moons, the festivals, the years, it stinks to the Lord. My soul hates them. Why the law, Paul asked. Answer, remember, it was added because of transgressions. Their hearts were hard. Don't you see, Paul's saying, Israel's heart wasn't inclined to follow the Lord. Joshua knew that. Moses knew that before him. The prophets sure knew it after them. The history of Israel reveals it. Galatians, the law couldn't save Israel. The law couldn't save Israel. The law was added because of their hard-heartedness. And you, I mean, can you just try, you have to work really hard to get why Paul's so upset in Galatians. And you, Galatians, you who do know the Lord, you want to turn to it? in the hopes of inheriting the promises of God through it? Don't you know what this was? What did Paul say in Galatians 3 verse 10? For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. Look at it. To accept the gospel of the Galatian agitators, those who are coming to them, it would be to deny that the new age has dawned. Do you see? That the new covenant's real. That the symbols of the law have become the reality of our hearts. Freeing us from the curse that no longer do we need to turn to one another saying, Know the Lord. Know the Lord. Do you remember that Jeremiah reference? Jeremiah 31. The explicit promise of the new covenant. 
you recall that? We've read parts of it a few times. Jeremiah 31, for this is the covenant that I will make. I will put my law within them. I will write it on their hearts. The, the symbols become reality. You're not under the curse of the law anymore. And then here's verse 34 of Jeremiah 31. And then listen to how it resonates with Paul. No longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother saying, know the Lord. What did they have to do in Israel? They had to do that. Joshua had to do that. Know the Lord. Incline your hearts to the Lord. No longer, Jeremiah says, for they shall all know me. Jeremiah 31, verse 34. They shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. That's what's new about the new covenant. Did you hear that? That's what's new about the new covenant, brothers and sisters. In the new covenant, you will know the Lord. And what does Paul say to the Galatians in our text? But now that you have come to know God. Do you see that connection? Do you see then why Paul's got to be in tears over this. How could you? How could you suggest that Jesus, who in anticipation of his own death said, this is my blood of the new covenant. How could you? Don't you see that to go along with the agitators is to undermine the significance of the cross. How could you? How could you who have received the Spirit, whom Jesus himself poured out in his new covenant people, right? the mark of the new covenant people of God, how could you? Don't you see? That to go along with the agitators to come under the law again is to downplay the presence of the Spirit. Do you see any better now, brothers and sisters, the source of Paul's deep angst over the Galatians? For the Galatians to move back to the Sinai covenant now would be to deny the cross which is the foundation for the reception of the Spirit, which as we've seen over months, is the fulfillment of the promise and covenant with Abraham. In other words, dear friends, for the Galatians to accept the requirement of life under the law would be to deny the need for Jesus and therefore to lose everything. And Paul's afraid they might. I don't know what you make of verse 11 as we finish here. I'll tell you what I make of it. Paul says in verse 11, Galatians 4, I am afraid. I am afraid, he says, I am afraid I may have labored over you in vain. He's not exaggerating. 
He's not trying to make them feel bad. He's not pulling some kind of rhetorical trick punch on them. I think Paul means it. I think Paul's afraid. And what he's afraid of is that after all, the Galatians might not be who he's been telling them they are. The Galatians just might not be who he's been telling them they are. I mean, after all, maybe the Galatians aren't part of God's people. I want the weight of verse 11 to settle with us for a moment as we end this sermon. Because our text this morning makes clear the Galatians' defection from the gospel has begun. But Paul's writing because the final outcome's still undecided. Which means Paul now throws everything he's got to these Galatians. Oh, how he loves them. Wait till next week. Wait till you read the language of the next paragraph. Oh, how he loves them. As a father loves his children, as a mother loves her children. Oh, how he pleads with them. Which means, I think, Paul's kind of like Joshua. Isn't he? And so I can kind of be like Joshua too as we end this sermon. As we'll see next week, Paul hasn't given up on them yet. They haven't turned back yet. The Lord is still with them. You cannot add a plus factor to grace, brothers and sisters, and still be under grace. And I'm quite sure that the specific idol that you face in your life may not be the same as the one that was confronting the Galatians exactly. I highly doubt it. That that's the precise issue that you're wrestling with day to day to day. But do you see the parallel? What is it that you have served that is not a god? What are your idols? Listen to Joshua's words to the people of Israel, which can surely speak to our hearts as well, either as we end as an encouragement to you or as a warning. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and faithfulness. Choose this day whom you will serve. Put away the foreign gods that are among you and incline your hearts to the Lord. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.